I'm out of water. Things that Charlie's bad at is not making extra noises during the podcast. I am bad at that. I'm really good at just being noisy, especially if I've just eaten broccoli. Oh my gosh. Listen, this is your mom writes books. I'm Caitlin McFarland. I'm Charlie Ann Holmberg. <laughs> Welcome to Charlie's Seductive Podcast. Welcome to season two of your mom writes books. Yay! I don't think I could sound seductive if I tried. I don't know. I thought it was working. My husband loves me despite my voice. <laughs> I love your voice, Charlie. I think it's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> uh, today, we wanted to kick off this season uh, kind of, I guess, <laughs> I don't know, talking about things that we're bad at. We're gonna, we want to start by belittling ourselves so you take us totally seriously for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> That's right. It's time for you to know the truth. <laughs> we're frauds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So yes, we're going to, we want to talk to you guys about things that we're bad at uh, because, you know, everybody starts somewhere and even professionals have things that they struggle with. And I, I feel like if I had heard that as a, as a new writer or as a writer in the earlier stages, and honestly, even now, it's kind of helpful. It's nice to know that you're not alone. <laughs> okay. So everybody just has some things that they're stronger at and that they're weaker at. What It'd be kind of weird for us to tell you like all the things we're so good at, so we're not going to do that. But um, I will kick it off because as soon as we talked about, okay, what are we bad at? Immediately, I knew what I was bad at. I've been bad at this my whole life. I'm still bad at it. Um, in fact, the because I just <laughs> finished a book, if you guys didn't hear that, I am working on a book right now that I got like 70% of the way through and I had to go back to the beginning and fix it because I have yet again failed to include a character arc. (laughs) (laughs) The audience is saying that seems like a large oversight, Charlie. Right? No. So here's the funny thing with this book. This is book two of a series that I'm hoping to sell, but I actually, I've recently, very recently started having Caitlin um, review my outlines for me instead of just giving her the book as I write it, because yes. it's a lot easier to fix something. Which she discovered when I sent her my outline for Traveler. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, I should do this, which means <laughs> I have to flesh out my outline a little more than I usually do, but oh no, I'll solve my problems. And she's like, she told me like I needed a character arc. And so I already like did this whole like repost it thing to give the main character um, a character arc. And then I'm writing the book and I'm 70% of the way through, which is only like 40,000 words. I'm like, crap, this is way too short. Cause like book one's like almost a hundred K. And then I'm like, oh, the other main character also needs a character arc and I didn't give her one at all she's just this flat character for the whole book and I'm like great so now I get to go back to the beginning and fix her again who needs growth and change no one this is not the first time that this has happened to me but like it happened with siege and sacrifice too where the character is flat enough that the book just starts falling apart when I get to act three. Like nothing is working because they are that flat 
we're trying to jump over a wall and they're like, can you help me? Can you give me a little bit of a ramp here? <laughs> you know? And I had to stop and it was Sandis in that book. I had to stop and go back to the beginning. And Caitlin knows this. I hate stopping mid draft to fix anything. I like just to barrel through till the end and I fix stuff at like when I'm done. But when it's that broken, I have to stop and go back to the beginning and fix the character arc and figure out what the character arc's even going to be. And blah, 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 and it's the worst. <laughs> That's... <laughs> it's just funny because Caitlin is actually very good at character arcs. She'll even be like, okay, but they need to do this arc and this arc. And I'm like, shut up, just write the book. <laughs> oh my God. It's because, look, it's literally because the character arc for me is the thing I build the story around. That yeah. is the first thing I decide that's the whole foundation of the book. So... Yeah, for me, I'm just like, wouldn't it be cool if the magic did this and they have to discover this and then this, you know? And I'm like, oh, I guess they should have personal personal growth while they're doing all the discovering and magicking. <laughs> I guess if they have to. They have to. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. something that I still struggle with. Um, and someday I will learn. <laughs> I don't, maybe. <laughs> One day. <laughs> One day I'll learn. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see. I'm going to say that I am bad at finishing books. <laughs> wow, that's that's true. <laughs> yes, I was sitting here and I was like, no, no, I have no flaws, which is a lie. Of course I have flaws. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what your flaws are. <laughs> Do you remember Hercules where Meg is talking to Hades and she's like, he has no weaknesses. That's That's me, you guys. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are Meg. <laughs> no, I'm Hercules. <laughs> this is something that me and Caitlin fight over. Because she'll be like, hey, I'm I'm starting a project, but do you read the, the first five chapters for me? And I'm like, yes. And I read them. And they're fantastic. They're so good. I'm like, this is fantastic. I'm so excited to see where this is going. And then she's like, just kidding. <laughs> I'm doing this other project now. And I just... No, no, no. What happens is life gets in the way and then I write nothing for like three months and then I start a new project. And so it's like I have read the beginning of so many excellent books and I have not yet read the end. <laughs> well, thank you for thinking they're excellent. <laughs> they're so good. No, Caitlin's very good, but she's the worst. I get, I get overly frustrated with beginnings because I feel like they're never what I want them to be. And they're just never as good as I need them to be. And so I'm like, no. And then I, I can't fix this. And I put yeah. it aside. That's the opposite and that's what happens. of me and Caitlin. Is I, I'm always, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm like, whatever. Let's just hot mess it all the way to the end. Let's go, go, go. And Caitlin is a perfectionist. And she's got, she wants everything to be right as it comes out. And we're yes. different. Co-writing was fun. <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> Listen, it got us there. We... We talked about this. It got us there at a point where we had done revisions and the book got finished. And so it was an excellent balance and totally didn't jeopardize our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> no, I, okay. So here's what happens to me. I get all up in my head and I have this vision and I'm like, okay, the beginning has to set everything up. It has to set the tone. And I just want it to be right because I want this foundation that I could build on. So as I go on from the beginning, I have this foundation and I don't have to um, change anything or no, I have this foundation and I can just build on it to a perfect ending. 
And I want that very badly. But that is not how writing works, at least not for me. I have to revise because my I because I am part discovery writer, I develop so many of my ideas as I write. And then what happens, this is what happens if I get further into a book. So I am actually 31,000 words into a book right now, which is really good for me. It's the yes, furthest it I've Yes, it's the furthest I've gotten into a book in a long time. But I keep I I started and I didn't really know where I was going. Like I vaguely know, like I know the event that I wanted to happen at the end. I know where the ending point is, but I did not know how I was going to get from the beginning to the end. And I have, you know, like every time I would talk to somebody about it, I had a couple of major brainstorming sessions with some people and like that would kind of reframe the book. And I'm like, okay, well, this means I need to do this with the beginning. And then I would talk to somebody else or I'd have an idea that I was like, oh, yes, this is so good. I definitely want this in there. Then that would reframe like what I needed in the beginning. And so I had to keep going back <laughs> and starting over so that I could have the beginning match what I wanted to happen. But what happens when you do that, my friends? <laughs> Is that you write the beginning several times and then you just get burnt out and you never write the book. And at a certain point, you have to say, you have to put a pin in it. You have to be like, okay, I wrote up to this point and you write down, write down, you know, make a lot of notes, make very thorough notes. Like, okay, the beginning actually needs this, this, and this to happen. I need these things to happen in the beginning. And then instead of going back and revising the beginning, you just leave your little pin at the point where things changed. You leave yourself a comment, whatever in the document whatever. And then, or you start a new document, whatever you need to do. And then you just write forward from that point mm -hmm. as if the beginning was everything that you said. Yeah. I just did that. So, um, in your, my IT, I had like a head supervisor and then a Which, colleague who, this is her contemporary romance. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> um, it's not out yet. Don't look for it. Um, like I had two, I had two characters who were basically playing the supervisor and I was like chapter 10. I've just put a big bold note in there from this point forward, these person, these people are the same character. I merged them to one character because it was too much to keep track of. Mm -hmm. And then I went back and fixed it later. Yes. And that is how you do that and move forward. N now I have that knowledge in my brain. Okay. I know that. Do I do it? No. no. <laughs> Listen, um, when Caitlin and I had to co-write, we're like about the same amount of, <laughs> she's laughing right now. <laughs> um, we're about 30,000 words through and Caitlin calls me and she gets this certain tone when she's really afraid that I'm going to be mad. <laughs> she's like, okay. She, she has a certain pace at which she speaks. <laughs> It's like, very measured Here's just and it's very calm. <laughs> an idea that I have that would make the story better. And she want, basically she wanted to redo the beginning and she knows that I'm a plower. And I made this deal with her. I'm like, okay, listen, I will go back to the beginning. I will make all these changes you want because they were good changes. And we are not allowed to go back to the beginning until the book is done. And I made her promise that we would not do that. And she kept it. She no, just we did go pressure. back to the beginning at that point. We did go but back that at that point. point. I said, we're going to go back once. We can go back yes. once. You said we can go back one time and that yes. was all. And no more after that. So Caitlin works really well with social pressure. 
She does. She does. <laughs> Here's the thing. If Caitlin could sell books on proposal from this, like for as of now, Caitlin would finish lots of books because somebody would be like, hey, where is that? You have a deadline and I fear authority. And so, <laughs> and so I would finish those books. But uh, without that, the only person I have to fear is myself and I'm just not scary. And so... <laughs> And so it's um, it's a little more difficult for me. I'm not so great with with this self management, but unless unless I really really am into an idea, and luckily I'm pretty into the idea I'm working on right now, and so I it will it will I think this will be the time that I that I write the book, which I'm very excited about. It's very exciting to me to think about writing some more books. Also, this is the biggest go back to the beginning you've ever done because this is the series where she started writing and she's like, oh no, this is book two. <laughs> and then she had to go back before the beginning and write a book one. And that's what she's got 31,000 words of. <laughs> yes. Of the book two, I got about, I actually got about 10,000 words into that one, which is a chunk, you know, it's decent. It's that's one seventh of a book. Yeah. I mean, if you're Charlie, that's like five days of writing, but <laughs> it's a chunk. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that's something, that is something that I'm bad at. It's just like gathering the wherewithal to to complete books. And like, you know, if you don't have somebody, here are some things that I've done. Uh, and I mentioned a couple of these, I think way back at the beginning of the podcast, where originally when I was writing Solo Smoke, I was living at home with my parents. I mean, I was living in their basement. I was married with a kid and a half. I was pregnant. I was living in their basement. And all that it took was my brother, who is who's one of my favorite people, coming home every day. And he was still in high school at the time. And now he's like 30. It's fine. But he'd come home every day and be like, Caitlin, did you work on your book? And I'd be like, no, Jordan. And he'd be like, you're dumb. And then he'd go away because that's how we show affection in my family. He loves me. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. That really is how it was. Your need, it was your need to tell him that you had that got you. Yes, exactly. It was my need to be like, yeah, I did, Jordan, in your face. It was sibling rivalry that got me to finish my first ever manuscript. And it was contract brother. fear that got you to finish the series. <laughs> yes, exactly. And my fear of authority got me through the rest. So, you know, if you have a sibling that you just want to show up or be like, yeah, I did it in your face, have them ask you every day if you finished <laughs> or if you wrote today. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have the same effect because if I ask Caitlin, did you write today? She's like, shut up, Charlie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> if I tried to feel competition with you, I would spend my entire life feeling extremely inferior. Oh my gosh. And I can't handle that, but I can show up my brother. <laughs> Listen, we're going to open a Patreon and for $5 a month, one of us will email you every night and ask you if you worked on your book today. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't say that. People will want it. <laughs> If they do, that's great. <laughs> we don't have a Patreon. Don't look for it. Um, <laughs> but while we're on the subject, though, because I was like, oh, we should have talked about how to do it right. And since you are really good at character arcs, let's rewind uh -huh. for just a second and talk about how you do a good character arc. I think oh, we, okay. we've talked about this in season one a little bit, but let's just do a quick and dirty. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of like what I said. I literally build the entire book around the arc. <laughs> Yeah. So character arc is basically the character growth. Like what 
personal conflict challenges are they going to go through? How are they going to be a different person at the end of the book? And how do they become that different person? Yeah. And I decide those things. And that's the foundation upon which I build a novel. I plot around my character arc. I Mm -hmm. don't try to fit my character arc into my plot. Uh, And we actually, we did an episode on that. And so you can listen to that one if you haven't already. But yeah, I, when, when I'm coming up with a book, the first thing that comes to me, right, is the kind of general concept or like the tone slash atmosphere or like an idea for a romantic wall, right? Like that, that stuff comes first. But then when it comes time to think about the characters, I always think about, because we all, I think it's our tendency, at least it's my tendency to want my character to be like so great and so perfect and do all these wonderful things. But something I've come to realize is that that needs to be who they are at the end, because there's no point in reading a book about a person who's already perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I look at who I want them to become I think about who I want that person to be at the end of the story. And then I reel it back, right? I rewind them to the point where they do have something to learn. So I rewind them. So say at the end of the book, I'm like, okay, they're going to be a great leader, right? They're going to be a great leader of this big group of people or, you know, like, I don't know, whatever, an army or what, a, a country, whatever. I rewind them to the point where, where they are this insecure person who who does maybe rely too much on the authority of the people above them. And I say, okay, now what can, what steps does this person need to take? What emotional um, kind of trauma, I guess, does this person need to go through to give them the strength to become who I want them to be at the end, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how I do it. And of course, if at the end, you want them to be like, say you want to take somebody who, you know, you want to go from like a nice person to a villain. Like I just watched Disney's Corella, which was like kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And really, I enjoyed it. I need to watch that. Yeah. So you have somebody who you know you're, you want to end up with this kind of villainous or a morally gray character, but they start out as like a very pure, nice, innocent, good person. You know, what do you have to put them through? And like, you know, looking at what you have to put that person through to take them from beginning to end is where I get my plot, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. That, and that's really good for if you're ever doing a character driven story, like you can't absolutely cannot skip that part. But mm-hmm. I like it, like your character arc doesn't have to be positive, right? right. So um, I really loved Rand's character arc throughout the Wheel of Time series because in the middle of that, I want to say around fi- book five or book six, he does have a negative character arc and he becomes a pretty cold, callous person. And Mm -hmm. then through another book, he like finally like gains this understanding of who he is and what he's supposed to do. And all of a sudden, like he's confident and he has inner peace. And, you know, it makes that character arc, if you see this little farm boy at the beginning of the book to who he becomes, that character arc is so much greater because he had a negative character arc in between. Yeah. And Wheel of Time, I mean, the thing with that is like, there was enough space to do it because those books are long. Oh, yeah. 15 book series. <laughs> yeah. And, but I think you could, sl- I don't know, it would be difficult to do that in one book, especially if the book was short. But if you have mm-hmm. a series, I think that's such a great thing to point out, Charlie, is that especially if it's your hero and you super want them to be a heroic hero at the end to give them a, like a slight negative, like a downturn in the middle where it's like the reader starts to be afraid. Oh, no. Are they going to become the hero or are they going to become the villain? I think is really fun. And I would love to do that someday. Yeah, it is fun. But yeah, so 
what you were saying, it's like that it's all about character for you. Almost all of my books, it's very world driven for me. So it's the magic, mm-hmm. it's the creatures, it's the the country and everything. Like, how does it all come together? And so character, you know, it's like, oh, that's a third thing I work on, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So that's probably why I drop the ball so much often. Sometimes I do not. Thank you very much, Spellbreaker. I can do it. <laughs> but I do often, I, I often just don't think about it. Anyway, let's talk about more bad things. Okay. Okay. So I have, I do, I have a few pros things that mm-hmm. I'm not very good at. And I, I mentioned this um, in our little mini episodes between seasons, but I am really bad at just extraneous prepositions. And I actually thought about pulling up one of Marlene's um, edits to one of my manuscripts where she's just cutting out prepositions, 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 like um, the cat jumped off of the table. You don't need of. Just the cat jumped off the table. Just like prepositions that are in there that don't need to be there. Like mm-hmm. she sat down. You just say she sat, you know, stuff like that. Um, my word usage. Caitlin makes fun of me for this. My sister makes fun of me for this. You know, very first book I ever tried to write in the, well, not tried to write, but the book I was working on in high school, my sister still will not let me live down that this person, that this person's pet was a sheep and it was her consort. <laughs> <laughs> So here's a, here's no, here's a, this is fantastic about Charlie and usage is that, okay. And when we say usage, we do just mean how a word is used, kind of what the definition of the word is. And if it's in the appropriate context for, if the you remember the shutter arg- argument, yes, uh, indeed. So Charlie gets so close. She gets so close to where I'm, I'm sometimes staring at the page and I'm like, it's I true. Can, I can see it. But, but no, but no, this is still not right. Yeah. Like I'll be like, oh, he, he has great rapport. And I wrote, he has great report. No, that's not even it. That's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sometimes, and I can't, I wish I could think of an instance of this, but you get so close to the meaning of a right word. Cause it's not you mixing up. Yeah, Yeah. It's, it's. It's not the sound of the word that really gets me when you have usage stuff. It's the meaning and it's so close and yet not. Yeah. <laughs> like so off. much of the like, time. That's not what that means. All the time. Every time she reads something of mine, that's not what that means, Charlie. But then I do the I do the um the sound one right too. And I was telling uh-huh. you about one. Yeah, the it's at the, it's in the little intro to one of our episodes. Yeah. Or like, okay, the one I do the most. I always say back instead of bag. And I don't know why. It's like she shoved it into her back. And like, I always get those ones messed up, but I always do what, oh, it was something about wagon. It was the word wagon. And I meant, I meant something else. I don't know. It's in the intro to one of our episodes. Yeah. It's just, I don't know why my brain's like, this sounds close enough. (laughs) And it's just like, oh, they're funny. No. Okay. So no. So the one, the the ones though, that, that I'm talking about. Okay, so the consort one is actually a good example <laughs> where you're it's kind of close in meaning because a consort can mean like a companion, right? Mm-hmm. But consort contains the connotations of like someone you're having relations with. Right. <laughs> someone that you're consorting with, somebody that you are, you know, like the queen's consort is like her husband, right? He's not the king, but he's the queen's consort because, you know, he, he's not the one in the bloodline or whatever, right? So it's like... It's got those connotations of like other relationships and, you know, that 
are, you know, but it still does mean somebody who is a close companion. So that is, that is the kind, those are my favorite usage things to find in your books. Cause it's like, well, you're sort of right, but super not. <laughs> Cause that's sometimes the reason I just say usage is because I can't explain to you why you're wrong. Because if yeah. I tried to explain it, it would sound like you were right, but it's still not quite this what it should be right he's like somebody used a thesaurus incorrectly (laughs) oh my gosh i'm actually i'm looking through your edits on the fifth doll to see if i can find one where you (laughs) where you pointed it out this means bracelet is that what you're going for Because I used the word bangle, but I was referring to a bowl. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's another good example. Because a bangle can mean something, like, shiny, right? Like, something pretty. But a bowl is not a bangle. Oh, my gosh, there's so many. There's so many. Like, I used the word ilk, and you're like, wrong word. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, it's such a problem. Which is so funny, because, like, (laughs) I found another one that's funny. Because I say secondhand man, and you're like, he's not from the DI. <laughs> he's his right hand man. <laughs> oh, man. And this isn't even the whole manuscript. This is like 10 chapters you read. I'm just going through a thing of 10 chapters. And this is how many you found. So I'm just saying, it's funny because I'm an editor. Like, I took an English usage class and all this stuff, but I'm so bad at it. Okay. Oh, okay. God. <clears throat> okay. Oh look. my no, I have to tell you what you put in here because it's so funny. Look what you've made me do, Sandis, and you highlighted it and said Kaysen right now. And it's Taylor Swift with her dancers from the Look What You Made Me Do music <laughs> video. Why am I such a good critique partner? You're so good. <laughs> that's just so funny how many words that you have found that's like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. <laughs> um you have very few other you have very few other flaws, Charlie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, back on track. Okay. So tell us more about why you suck. <laughs> gosh. Our self-esteem is amazing right now. Yeah. I feel oh, good. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. Um, I don't know. What am I bad at, Charlie? I don't know. I mean, there's so many things. I don't know how to choose one. I mean, I know what I, here's some things too. It's like, I know what I feel like I'm bad at, but then it's just also like everyone has their own taste, right? So even what you're bad at can be subjective because I wish I was better at, I feel like I'm a very plain writer where I'm just like, and then he was mad where some writers would be like, and then I don't, can't even do it because I'm not good at it, but they would use some. He's got broiled like a fish in a steamer. Gosh. I've never thought your prose is bad. Oh, thank you, Charlie. Or even like, um, but they just like use metaphor in a, in a certain way or they use personification in a certain way that really like brings their writing to life. And my writing, I know I can do a nice turn of phrase every once in a while. And I do sometimes I'm like, oh, I like, I admire myself. I like that, you know, on occasion. But I wish that I could write in a way that was less literal and more like... I don't know, immersive, I guess. I think, so here's the thing, though. 
So, I mean, Brandon Sanderson will always says, says that his goal is to make his prose invisible. And it's true. Like when I'm reading a Brandon Sanderson book, I'm not really focused at all on his prose. I'm just in the story because that's what he wants to feed you. He wants you to have the story and not necessarily prose. Whereas mm-hmm. I have read books where the prose is so purple that I'm like, I don't even know what's happening right now. So I think like having, quote, invisible, end quote, prose is a good thing because it's just like if someone's good, like if someone's serving me filet mignon, I it's like, yeah, if you want to give it to me on a fancy platter, sure. But if you give me to me on a nice, clean, white platter, I don't care. The filet mignon is still great. Yeah. Does that make sense? Look at me using a metaphor Look as we're talking you. about metaphors. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's just more of like a personal, like, I don't like when prose is so purple that you can't get through the story. There is, I will never forget. I wrote, I was reading a book one time by a very popular author whose prose is gorgeous. And I, but it was just getting to be where the story was not moving because she was so focused on how she was writing. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting through a chapter and being like, oh, thank goodness that chapter is over. And then she went and she went back to the beginning of that chapter from a different character's point of view and Uh continued on with the same purple prose. And I, at that point, DNF to that book, which is book number three in a series that I was enjoying mostly. And I mean, and I just couldn't anymore. And I still to this day have not finished that book because I was so exhausted by that person's writing or their focus on their writing. Because like I said, the writing was beautiful, but I just wish, so I don't know exactly where the line is, but I wish I was a better writer. I wish I was better at at poetic writing. I feel like the more, the more poetic, it's like the poetry is like the the cap what do they put that the big upside down bowl they put on a plate and then they reveal the food right they pull it off <laughs> yeah it's like so that's what the poetry is but if it's too heavy you can't pull it off you never get to eat <laughs> you never get to eat oh i know i'm actually really bad at time transitions oh and and pacing and so if you read my books especially solo smoke that first book takes place in 10 days and it's not because I meant it to. It's because I didn't know how to space out my timeline. <laughs> so every time I would go to write, I'd be like, well, the next day, because I couldn't just be like, and then three a few days, days later, three days later, because it's like, well, what were they doing? Like important things were probably happening. They weren't. <laughs> No, that's like a thing. Like you just have to learn to let go. It's like you don't have to say every little thing that's happening. Like sometimes it's okay to be like three days later. But I totally know what you mean where it's like, but especially if like if it's like a romance or character or something, it's like, well, something they have to be interacting during these three days. So I have to include it. You know, it's hard yeah. to let go of that. And maybe that does come from me being such a character driven writer is that something's happening in this time. I can't just gloss over it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and so, but you can, like, yeah. generally, I guess with Soul Smoke, I still would have written the way I did. Gosh, but would I? I don't know. It's hard looking back at Soul Smoke, and I actually haven't read that book since I finished it in 2015. So it's been six years since I read that book. Anybody who's read that book recently knows it much better than I do. Sorry. I, yeah, I don't know. You know I mean, it would be interesting one day, maybe. <laughs> To talk about how we would rewrite our own books. Yeah, actually, I thought it would be an interesting episode. Would you guys like to hear how we would rewrite our own first novels? <laughs> oh, man, that's that's a thing. Yeah. 
So yeah, I think that's, that is something I definitely struggle with is how to pace out a book so that it feels like, because you know, when you're a human being who's developing your emotions at a certain, you know, um, pace or whatever, like things take time. And so that is something that I I struggle with a little bit is parsing out time. And I would say pacing in general sometimes is a struggle for me. I think what's funny what you say about timelines is because I now for last several books, I keep a timeline, like I have a timeline doc and I update it every time time passes in a novel. So I'm like day two, day three, day five. And so I can keep track of all of it. And I swear, every time I turn a book in for copy edits, there's timeline issues. And it makes me so mad (laughs) because it's like, no, I kept like vigorous, like keeping. (laughs) Like I I kept notes of all of this. Like my timing is, is not off, but usually I can still find a place where it could have been off or I could see how, how it was, it could be misinterpreted a certain way. And this was really aggravating for star mother because not only did I have to keep track of all the days, I had to know what the moon phase was for those days mm-hmm. because of one scene in there, like the moon phases had to add up. And so when on, I had a copy editor come back to me and say like, Oh, don't you mean this phase of the moon? I was like, no, I worked so hard to make this right. I've even sent them my timelines before because they will, as they read through, they'll make their own timeline. Mm -hmm. I've sent them my timelines before. I'm like, how is this wrong? I kept track of it. And so that's apparently something I feel like I'm good at it, but apparently I'm not good at keeping track of timelines. And sometimes I flounder on word count too. Like with this book, I mentioned with the character art cop mess, for some reason, it's drafting super short, and I don't know why. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping that fixing character arcs, because um, I'm actually adding like two in, but one's a minor character. Um, I'm hoping that doing that will just bulk up the book because, like, the first the first version of this book is right now at like ninety eight thousand words. Yeah, and so I was like, I can't have a sixty thousand word book too. Like, I feel like it needs to hit at least eighty, and I'm just drafting so short. Oh, so not the first version of the book, the first book in the series. Oh yeah, sorry, the first book, the first book, yeah. And like, which is funny because I think the first version of that was twenty thousand words shorter. Like, I've ended up adding a lot to it, mm-hmm. but I Glass Magician finished at forty seven thousand words, I think. So it was too short, and I had to go back in. And those are short books. <laughs> I had to go back in and like add stuff there. And like every now and then, I don't know why. I, like, I just draft too short, and I have to go back and figure out how to make it longer. Which is funny because you look at my outline. If I look at my outline, it doesn't look like it's too short but then it is. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting because I have the opposite problem. The shortest book I've ever written is 95,000 words. Gross. And my books usually tend to fall between, uh, uh, yeah, that 95 and like 115,000, which is technically too long. Like I, I mean, I should be topping out at a hundred thousand if I want to actually sell a thing. Right. Um, <laughs> and 99 would be better so that they, so it sticks in those, uh, you know, double Five digits. digits. Yeah. But, um, I I kind of wonder, as we've been talking about, you know, like the different ways that we write, I kind of wonder if it does again go back to what drives you to write. Because for me, a lot of my stuff that I'm writing is just opportunities for characters to have conversations with each other or to like have like I just like to spend a lot of time with the characters and like hang out in those like spaces and scenes, I guess. And so 
I think that could be why I tend to go long is because I'm, I want to like, that's kind of, you know, why I'm writing is to hang out with the characters is to watch them develop relationships and that kind of thing. And so I tend to like linger on that stuff. I think that actually might be something because I think that I tend to be short on dialogue. I don't have a lot of let's sit down and talk or let's talk moments, you know? So the author's AI thing that I've mentioned before, it'll tell you what percentage of your uh, manuscript is dialogue. And they say bestsellers usually have 25% dialogue. I think every book I've run through it, except maybe one goes under, hits under 25. It's all, Hmm. it's between like 18 and 20 usually. Yeah. So that's interesting. That maybe I just need to have more time with characters, but then I'm always worried that like it's going to get boring. Or I'm like, well, I don't know what they're going to talk about. Let's just go fight the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine is like all because if my characters are doing, if my characters are having a conversation, and I don't know what most other authors would say about this, I just know what I do. If my characters are having a conversation that's completely just focused on their relationship and their character development and has nothing to do with the plot. That's also fine with me. To me, I give that just as much like weight and page space as I would mm-hmm. something that is that is moving the plot forward. Because to me, the story, as we talked about before, for me, the story is both character and plot, and the plot really just serves to bolster character. And so, yeah, for me, I'm not I'm not just like I'm not just focused on moving forward the plot all the time. A lot of times, what I'm focused on is you know bolstering the character relationships and or moving the character arc forward. And that's why I think my stuff tends to be a little longer. And if, you know, if we were, if I was a very good author, I'd be combining them all. But like some yeah. conversations are just for character. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. So yeah. that's my opinion. Something I should keep in mind next time I go writing away. <laughs> well, like, you know, I mean, sometimes you, people just want to see, like, I mean, look at like Jane Austen, like sometimes her characters are just walking and talking. Or having an entire chapter where they talk about the budget. <laughs> looking at you sense and sensibility chapter three <laughs> and yeah that may not uh, um be something modern readers are into yeah. but <laughs> but i mean like you know so that's an extreme example but yeah i think that's why my word t- counts tend to come in longer is because you know i'm a lingerer <laughs> linger yeah i'm yeah. i'm i'm a doer i like i like getting the the, the done stuff done uh-huh <laughs> do, the, do the done stuff uh-huh. Do the next, done stuff. Next t-shirt makes no next sense. Next t-shirt. <laughs> Do the done stuff. We want to hear what you're bad about. Email us at yourmomwritesfolks <laughs> at gmail.com. Well, is there anything else that we want to... No. I could look at my bad reviews and I could tell you what other people think I do bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you know one thing that actually I am kind of bad at, which is funny because I'm actually trying to do it more and more now, <laughs> is I'm not... I'm not great at series. I feel like, and what I mean by that, I feel like I'm pretty decent at planning out a series, Mm -hmm. but like mentally, I am not good at series because I have a hard time staying in one world for more than two books. Whenever I get to the third book of a series, I just struggle. Like I struggled with Master Magician. I struggled with Siege and Sacrifice, though. I mean, admittedly, I did like a lot that I got to do all my reveals and that, but like I still (laughs) enjoy it, but there's definitely a reason why Spellbreaker is only two books, the Spellbreaker series. And I set it up to do a third book. And I actually have that third book loosely outlined, but my brain just will not write it. 
I just have a hard time staying in a world for that long. And it's just unfortunate because like series are really bankable, <laughs> you know, and I, but I have a hard time. I have a hard time staying in that series. And even with the star mother series, which right now it's going to be two books and they're companion novels. And so they're not like all the same characters are all, all the same like country, but I would love to write a third one in there about one of the characters and I have like, cool ideas for it, but I'm just like, my brain just doesn't want to because it's still too close. I don't know. I like world jumping. I like doing different ideas and different stories. So I want to be able to write longer series. I struggle though. That's interesting because, yeah, so I have the opposite struggle because, I, I mean, I talked about how my smallest book is 95,000 words, but like, let's look at that because that's actually a weakness of mine that I can't write short I tried to write a 2,000 word story and it ended up being 12,000 words long. Witness. And that's Lady of War. I tried to write a 12,000 word story and it ended up 27,000 words long and that's a power arcane. I tried to write a short, I was like, you know what would be fun? A short story like series about girls who, like basically teenage girls, supernatural, but like a little bit more fantasy. And I ended up with a hundred and like, 10,000 word novel <laughs> that is probably one of my most complex worlds to date <laughs> because I don't know how to stop. <laughs> yeah, whereas like I feel like I have several series now, but I still feel like I'm a standalone writer. I'm a standalone writer who has to stretch and make series. Yeah. And like, I'm so like, I feel like I'm getting better at it. Some people are like, well, you're not, Charlie. <laughs> but. Like, and I, and I, a lot of times I do try to plan out series now just because also when, when you're on book two, when you're writing book two, you're like, I'm writing a new book and I don't have to do all the world building and character development all over again because I already did it. It's a great feeling, you know? It is amazing. Yeah. It's like, wow, this is so much less work. And if you think about it, like in that sense, it is less work to do a three book series than to do three completely separate novels. Mm -hmm. And yet it's like, that's just how my brain works. It's like, I can't have tacos every Tuesday. That's too repetitive for me. I can't, like, I have to get out of tacos. Oh my gosh. I would eat tacos every Tuesday. I love tacos. I will. I get, I get bored with like my food. I get bored. Like I can't just like read all one series. Like I get bored. And so like, even with my own stuff. Well, it's like, I mean, again, like I'm just looking at us and going, this goes back to what drives us to write. Because like I said, I'm a lingerer. I want to spend time with characters. And so I write long books and like everything I do is just to support me keeping on writing about the same characters who I enjoy spending time with mm -hmm. and you enjoy creating worlds it's what I'm drives you to write I like your voyager and discovering yeah yeah exactly and so you're you want a world hop you don't want to stay in one world you want to come up with a new one and I just think that's so interesting that our our flaws kind of like mostly for the most part reflect back on what drives us to write in the first place that kind of creates these flaws within us. I know. I feel like we should be laying on like long green couches right now while a psychiatrist like <laughs> asks therapy. us meaningful questions. Like I'm learning about myself. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. If you guys would like to psychoanalyze us. <laughs> Maybe don't. Someone's going <laughs> to send us an email with this whole big thing and then a bill at the end. <laughs> I know, right? Like, Caitlin, you're lonely. And oh that's okay. <laughs> you want to spend time with imaginary people. Charlie, you're a narcissist. And that's why you need to find new people to control. <laughs> oh, no. We've just outed ourselves on our podcast. <laughs> 
again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well. <laughs> also, Caitlin's hair's pink. We didn't point that out. Caitlin oh. dyed her hair. Yeah, I went. I went and spent like three hours at a salon yesterday, and now I have like pink. It's not really an ombre. It's, it's like an ombre, ombre and a balayage had a baby on yeah. your head, and it's a girl. <laughs> but it's. I do actually have some blue in here, but actually the blue is hard to see. But this piece is technically blue. Oh yeah, I can blue. see it. I can see it. Yeah, you guys can't see my hair. I'm sorry. Everybody, but... email your mom writes books at gmail.com and boss Caitlin until she puts a picture of it on social media because <laughs> Caitlin's a real butt about photos. Sorry. <laughs> I like to be mysterious and invisible. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I mean, okay. So those are some of the things we're bad at. There are more. Don't worry. People who have reviewed us have told us all oh about some of them. But we don't want to talk about those. We want to talk about the ones we identify with. Well, we so. do though. Listen, if you're on Instagram, um, you find me at CN Holmberg. I have three songs so far of me singing my bad reviews, and I'm very proud of them. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to tell people to tell you what you were bad at. Guys, don't do that. No. Please don't. Please do not seek us out to tell us what you think we're bad at. We don't. We don't. We don't we're like not ready that. for that. Like, the we're thing, vulnerable. The thing with bad reviews is like you can choose whether or not you see it. And actually, I don't read my bad reviews unless I want to write a song about them, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like when people email me and they're like, you suck at this or you blah, blah, this or you said the word quirk 30 times in your novel about Bacchus. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm a real human being. Can you please not? Thanks. Yes, you're fully <laughs> welcome to critique us in in on Goodreads. When we go there, we're mentally prepared. Um, it's a little where we have a little bit of a harder time if it's unexpected. Like surprise, you suck today. Oh no! Okay, no, the worst ones are the ones where they're like, "I really love your books." Compliment, compliment, compliment. Dagger. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't get those. Worst. I don't get those like Charlie does uh, because Charlie has about a hundred plus times the readership I do, but. One time I had this old guy email me and he had just read The Smoke and Summons are Myths and Mortal and he told me about how disappointed he was in me and he was going to give me one more chance to please him. <laughs> and I, oh dear. I should have saved that. I delete all of those emails, but like I should have saved that one. I should just have an awkward email song. Oh well. Oh my late. gosh. It is <laughs> one more late. chance, Charlie. <laughs> You guys, we've kind of stayed, we stay away from talking about things like this because we don't want to sound rude. But yeah, so, you know, it's a little, we don't want to sound like we're not grateful, right? Yeah, I super am. I am grateful. But this stuff happens and is interesting. I don't know. If it's something you guys want to hear more about, you can let us know. But (laughs) we we try to be careful with things that we talk about on the podcast. Yeah, but I think that's. That's what that's some of the things we're bad at. You can tell us things you're bad at if you feel like sharing. It's a little therapeutic to kind of get it off your chest. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you can talk about that, get support on our Facebook page, which is Your Mom Writes Books, and on our Instagram, which is at Your Mom Writes Books. And, and if we're good at it, we can help you. And if we're also bad at it, we'll commiserate with you. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say, if if people are talking about things they're bad at on our social media, maybe don't jump in with unsolicited advice unless you're explicitly asking for it. Yeah. Just uh, just don't do that because no, nobody likes that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I'm Caitlin McFarland, the author of the Dragon Sworn trilogy, Lady of War, and A Power Arcane. And I do have to say, I reread Lady of War. It's probably one of my stronger published pieces. So if you want to just check me out real quick and be like, what does Caitlin write? That's maybe a good one, but then don't be disappointed with what comes after. You should be a salesman. You're so good at it. I know. (laughs) We've covered this before. I'm super good at selling myself. And I am on Instagram at Words and Geekery, unreliably. And I am, you can't really find me anywhere else. I'm sorry. I'm bad at social media and very busy. And, um, but you know, you can always catch me on my Etsy shop, which is also Words and Geekery. And what about you, Charlie? I am Charlie and Holmberg. I am the author of books that are uh, high fantasy, historical fantasy. They're usually romantic. (laughs) My newest book is Star Mother, and it is releasing November 1st from 47 North. So keep a lookout for it, please. You can find me at charlieandholmberg.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and especially Instagram at CN Holmberg. You can also find me on YouTube at Charlie Holmberg Music. Yeah, if you guys like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us out. And uh, we drop an episode every Tuesday. Sometimes it breaks, but we just, we like dropping them. Yes, even when they shatter. Anyways, Charlie, do you have a pun for us? Yes, I do. Just kidding. because. I'm bad at it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.